Aren't we blessed to know that the Lord is with us? Amen. With us always, in every situation that this life has to offer. Where are, there are no doubt there are uncertainties, uncertainties in this life. How many, how many know what you're... <laughs> it is, you know, um, it comes back to the, the Word of God. What God has said, what, what, who He is. He is uh, sovereign, which it's a big word that really it's hard to explain. Sovereignty has to do with God is who He is, and He's He's going to do what He what He He knows best. He's sovereign, and so and and, and that is a security for us, because when we we try to figure it out, we try to uh, put uh, answers to it. We kind of like waffle and we struggle, knowing that God is the ultimate judge. He will judge correctly. Aren't you glad to know that Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross, took our judgment that we can be set free from our sins and be saved and be in the right mind. So a few weeks ago, we started the letter of 1 Peter. We kind of went through the first book of Peter. And I said, well, let's just keep going. We're going to try to get through 2 Peter today, the last chapter of 2 Peter, and when Peter is uh, addressing his, his people, he's trying to come across as basically encouraging them, reminding them to stay strong, reminding them of the truths that were established uh, through Jesus Christ, the things that they have learned. And he says in one place, in one of his letters, all scripture, uh, the prophets were moved by God, men, we're moved by God to pen down the words of God. Isn't that good news for us? We can know that it's authentic. Another place Paul wrote to Timothy, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching correction. You know what our world is missing? Lack of truth. Lack of truth. Truth. And so truth is no longer, it, it's been strangled. It's been uh, tested. It's been muddled with. <laughs> but by, by and by, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And nothing changes with God when it comes to truth. He's always the same. You know, I, I have a good line for my daughters. I said, Dad, how many days have you been wearing that shirt? And I say, well, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Try that one on your family. Yeah, but it just doesn't smell good. Eh, the Lord has good things for his people ahead. And so easy to get our minds on the stuff that's going on in the world that's really concerning. But what does Jesus want us to dwell on? He wants us to be reminded that he is on the throne. So by the time we get to the third chapter, Peter is writing this way. He's saying, I'm, verse 1, he says, now, this is now, beloved, the second letter. How many like to get a letter in the mail? You know, remember when we used to get letters? We used to send letters. Now we send texts and texts and emails. That's all right. A written letter took somebody's time. 
thought. And he's stirring up your mind. He, he's saying, I'm gonna, I want to I wanna trigger something in you again. I want to jog your memory. And see, this is the constant battle for you and I in this world, is that we are trying to go through this life, but sometimes we get challenged to remember what is it the Lord has said about it. And so how do we measure success? Really, I've come, I think, success to me is doing what God's called us to do or called us to be. Number one, called us to himself. He's called you and I to walk with him. He's called us to know him. Spend spend time and fellowship and prayer in the word of God. Now, there's always been mockers. And this next verse, that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Know this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers. Well, how many remember reading about Noah in his day when he was building the ark? There was a few folks around that said, what in the world are you doing? And why are you doing it that way? Remember that story? How about Nehemiah when he was rebuilding the walls of his Jerusalem? And mockers would come. I bet you if a fox ran on that wall, it would just fall right to pieces. There's always been mockers toward the things of God. Because Satan knows where the power is. Satan knows when you believe on the Lord, you have power. You have authority. You have been given this foundation in which to build on. Mockers come and say, well, that's never going to work. And remember, we had Troy here last week, and he had, God gave him, a, 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 he was actually scared by it. God gave him a vision. He felt like God said 20 churches in 2020. That's in Moldova. Moldova. He's a missionary. He's on itineration right now. Unbelievable. God did great and mighty things, even through the year of COVID and all the rest. God's people were stirred. Something was stirring. And I happen to believe that something should be stirring in you and I today. That there's something stirring within you and I because there is a God in heaven who's alive. He has a purpose. And you see, mockers will always be mockers. We don't pay attention. Amen? What is it that helps us when mockers come? You just let it roll off with the help of the Lord. You just let it roll off. Um, what did Jesus say to his disciples when you went out to you know, go to a door to door, come in my name and tell them about me. Some will accept you and some won't. And what did he say? Don't worry about it. Go to the next house. And so we just keep going. The fact of the matter is, in the book of Acts, they were they, they were persecuted for their faith. In fact, the matter is the, the apostles considered it a joy. They were considered worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. Unbelievable testimony and faith 
And so Peter is writing, there's mockers that will stand by and they, were, they will herald all kinds of accusations. They will say it can't be done. They will say that your God is, is not a God at all. And they will said ever since the fathers fell, everything continues the same as always. It's just, you know, we've heard the Lord is coming back all our life and, and it's not happened yet. And so it's probably not going to happen. That's the idea of the mocker. And they become to they become so uh, insensitive. It's a sad place to be. Look as we read on now. It which the world at the time he's talking about, he's talking about when uh, verse five, when they maintained this, it escaped their notice that by the word of God the heavens existed long ago. Did you know that Jesus was involved with the creation? In, in the beginning, John 1, 1 says this, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He created what we see today. And he's coming back for those who will believe, for those who will trust him. In the church, it's his, his bride, believers, you and I become his bride. He's not going to forget to come back. And so, now what? Well, but in the meantime, now what? But we read on. Look at these verses. Verse 8. Fascinating verse. I've read this many times, and I think I get a handle on it, and then I don't. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years is one day. All right? Okay, how do you measure eternity? It's really hard to grasp. Someone said, well, you take a bird and you send them on the west coast, pick up a grain of sand and fly all the way across to the east coast one or the other, right? Is that eternity? It would surely seem like it. But eternity never ends, never ends, never ends. So a thousand years can go by. In fact, I was reading through my regular reading, and lo and behold, Psalm 90 reminded me of this very thing, that our days are actually numbered in this life. And so you look at Psalm 90, and you look at verse 12, and the psalmist says, teach us to number our days, that we may present to thee a heart of wisdom. In other words, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I realize my life here is not going to last forever. So therefore, how should I live my life while I'm here? What would be the best way to live my life? And number one is this. Love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. It sums up the whole works. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. So we, we stand in this rather short period of lifespan. The psalmist said, you've made... You may have 70, 
And if you're strong, 80. That's not very long when it's compared to, to eternity. But yet, guess what? This body is only temporal. You know that. And so we get to live on in Jesus Christ. We get to live with him forever. We get to uh, take on an eternal body made for heaven, an eternal being that you will be able to see God face to face. Right now, you and I can't see God face to face. We wouldn't be able to live in his presence, but he is one day, he will fix that so we can see him face to face. And First John says this, what kind of a person ought I to be then, knowing this, that Jesus is coming back, that I must conduct myself in a manner that I live like he's coming back, that I'm living, that I'm looking for him. Eternity is the greatest, you know, how many, how, how many times have you read Ecclesiastics and you go, whoa, this guy is depressed, right, Solomon? You might think that, maybe he was at times too, but he really did nail some truth down. And I believe that God helped him see what was true. See, Solomon made some mistakes along the way. But he summed it up all the way through the last portion of his book. He said, the last thing is just the roof. Obey God and keep his commandments. Bottom line. Another place, Ecclesiastes 3.11, he says, he has made everything appropriate in his time. He has also set eternity in their heart, yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning. Interesting verse. I read that verse. It's saying, eternity is set in my heart. God has put within us a sense that there is a God, but we must come in to realize that we need him and accept him. And when we do that, the help of the Holy Spirit kicks in our life, and they were able then to under, greater understand truth. And then he says, you won't know everything while you're on this earth. Basically saying, not that we will find out the work which God has done from the beginning. Even There are some things that we will not understand in this life. Amen. Can you live with that? I think God can help us live with that because it sets our mind on the Lord and not your own understanding. Proverbs chapter 3, right? Trust in the Lord, not your own understanding. You can drive yourself crazy sometimes trying to figure things out. It's just mind-boggling. And so he says, turn it over. A thousand years goes by, and it's like a day. It's like a night, a watch in the night. Think about it. Or a day is a thousand years. I believe God can quicken things. I believe God can go past time. He's outside of time, doesn't stop him. But he's in control. He has his timing and everything. As Ecclesiastes 3.1, everything has its time. Appropriate in its time. 
Well, then he goes on, because he had mentioned the mockers, saying, where's the Lord's coming? We've heard this all our lives. But he's not here yet. Verse 9, he declares this. The Lord's not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. We should get excited when we hear that verse, when we read that verse, because this gives us an understanding that God's heart is not to send anyone to hell. But he, he will judge. And he's given us a way to escape that judgment through Jesus Christ. When we come to repentance and believe, realize, I can't save myself, I can't do anything in this life that will earn my way to heaven at all. And then he describes in the verse 10 and 11, there's a whole lot of things that we probably won't be able to understand in this life again when it comes to the end time events, but we can, we can read this, the day of the Lord. What is that all about? Where does that start? Well, it seems like other verses in Scripture deal with the day of the Lord as an extended period of time, starting with the church um, being caught up, oh, and then the judgment comes, an extended period of time, then Revelation, we see the Lord coming back physically down to this earth to fight the battle for us. Then we see and we read here, there's going to be a roar and elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and it works will be burned. You know what? You get me down. Well, that cabin I built, I don't want to see that burn down. It won't matter. Because eternity, we have a place that will be much greater that we cannot even express as Paul in one, let, in one of his letters in Corinthians describes this out-of-the-body experience. He didn't know if he was in the body, out of the body. And he heard words inexpressible. He saw things that he couldn't des describe. Heaven, the wonderful place. We are looking forward to a new heaven, to a new heaven. This is going to be, this, this earth is, is, is groaning right now. It's temporal, groaning. It's got birth pangs. It's happening. The things that are happening in our world are signs of his soon coming back for his church. And then we read about the promise in verse 13. We're looking for a new heavens, a new earth. The new heavens, a new earth where righteousness dwells. Satan will be put in his place. Thank God. For a thousand years, Revelation describes that Satan will be put in a, in a pit, and then only released for a short time, and then finally thrown into the lake of fire. So therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless, blameless, and regard the patience of our Lord to be salvation. I thank God for his patience with me. Amen. Patience. Long suffering. Not willing that any should perish. Friends, if you're praying for loved ones, don't give up. 
God is concerned for them more than even you are. God's heart is toward them. But when you pray, he says, yes, I can move even more because you're praying, because you're, you're walking by faith. I need, a, I need a seed. I need someone with a small lunch. I need someone that will just give me something to work with. I just need someone that will pray, and I can begin to pour out my spirit to that person. I begin to unfold things, and I feed 5,000 or 4,000 at one time with a small boy's lunch. God is not willing that any should perish. Our goal in his life is to hear what he's saying and to follow after him. Believe God. Believe God. And we know this is true if we read in Old Testament. Abraham believed God. Believed God. How did he said, you're going to have a son? Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned unto him as righteousness. God still honors people with their faith in him, not their faith in their own abilities, not their faith in anyone's ability in this world. Man can't fix itself. Man can't fix the world. It takes a people who will humble themselves and seek his faith. And God says, I can move. What is God trying to do? Always to get us to admit our need for him. Always get get us to admit, I can't do this by myself. He says, yes. That's what I needed to hear. That's what I needed to have come out of you. I cannot, but he can. I read this little portion following here uh, a few verses toward the last part of 2 Peter. Um, Look at verse 15, very interesting verse. And regard the patience of our Lord to be salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you, as also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things in which are some things Hard to understand. Peter admits there are some things that are hard to understand, but guess what? You know what? You know what kicks in? Faith. What needs to kick in? Faith. We know enough. Jesus, it was somewhere I heard this. It was a well-known Bible scholar. He came into the into a university, and the student asked him, what's the greatest thing? What's the greatest truth? And they were expecting some flowery thing. He said, Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Just keep it simple. The rest God takes care of all as we go along. Some things fall off right away. Other things don't take time, but we're working through it. God is working with us. God is working and stirring, stirring. How many remember, remember them old kettles you used to kettle uh, boil corn or vegetables and you can't? We had any canners in the house? Right? Yeah, we got a few. And you had to stir, stir a little bit, you know. 
spread out the heat a little bit. Oh my goodness. Bean soup is one of my mom's favorites. Bean soup. Didn't she use to can some of that, Linda? Ah, it seems like it. Anyway, God is looking for people who is like like a a small child, like a small child. I don't know very much, but I know I need you. Isn't that what Jesus demonstrated when the disciples were saying, oh, we won't, we'll get these children out of your way, Lord. You know, we, we, we don't want to take, you don't want to take your time for that. He said, no, 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 wait a minute. This is mine. These are, he gives illustrations. Unless you become like a child. In other words, unless you become childlike in your, 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 your simple faith believing. can't really get much. You can't get where you can't get where you need to go. There are some things we need to admit that we're speculating when it comes to scripture, and that's okay. We want to get, you know, absolutely we want to dig and try to find truth and live by it. But there are things that will require faith. Always because God is the one that's in control. And I can rest in that. I can be comfortable in that. I can accept that. And so I leave you with these thoughts. Some that he's warning against will come in the last days, and they will distort. They will distort the Scriptures. They will be false teachers in the last days, especially. And we, as people of God, unless we're digging in the Word ourselves, we could get caught off guard. And so I encourage you, be a person that reads the Word of God, that keeps yourself in the Word of God, that keeps thinking on the things of God, that keeps looking up toward the things of God because He is, he is who He said He is. He's always on the throne. He he isn't, he isn't, he's not even surprised at what's happening on the earth right now. He's not surprised. He knows exactly what the future holds, but he's, his, his heart is toward people. How many have a person on your heart today, or maybe someone in your family or a neighbor, that you just believe God, you've been praying that they, God will stir something in them, God will maybe visit them somehow, or you'll have the words to say. We, that's, that's a part of our mission. That's a part of who we are. And so this last little song, if the guys want to come back and help me, this little song called, Lord, I need you. Lord, I can't do this in my own strength. Lord, unless you build the house, I'm laboring in vain. I can worry all nights, all long nights. I can worry over things. I can worry and fret. How many found that just doesn't do you any good? But when you turn it over to Jesus, maybe sometimes you take a song and begin to begin to just praise Him. 
Just begin to let your thoughts toward him. I want us to sing this song in a way as a prayer that we confess bowing before him. We find our rest when we bow before him. Lord, I come.